Oh, news, I got big news for the captain. Oh, 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 oh. oh, come on, come on, why are these doors so long? Locks on my door. Captain, Captain, there's something on the radar. I don't, I don't know what it is. God damn it! How many times have I told you not to open the alien locks when I'm using my space flashlight? Don't, don't hurt me! Don't hurt me again! It's something important. What's the issue? It looks like a star, but it's not like any star I've ever seen before. There are no stars and seven light years. What are you talking about? Have a look for yourself. Uh, open up the blast shields. Open the space blast shields. Oh, look at him. What is that, Captain? I've never seen anything like that. What is what? I don't see anything. It's right there. Right where? Right there. Right there. Escape that one, Joe. Whoa. Captain Joe. Jesus. At Noir Boulevard. <laughs> at Captain Joe Noir Boulevard. I'm just happy I saved the space fleshlight. <laughs> <laughs> if anything made it out, it, it had to have been that. That thing was not cheap. <laughs> it's pretty funny uh, that... It, I don't know what accent I was going for in the intro, but it went Jersey to kind of like imbecile, I think. <laughs> right. Like I, was like, I was like, let's not be Rick Sanchez, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, mission accomplished. Yeah. We're... Uh, I'm at Samuel Music. And this is the Palm Tree Patio. The Palm Tree Patio. The podcast where we have conversations as you would on your patio with friends, probably. Yeah. If you're microdosing. If you're with us on a patio ever. Yeah. <laughs> we have a loaded episode for you guys today. We're going to take it one step further with uh, the one we released last week and the one previous since we are still in spooky season. I don't know how spooky this is, though. It's more science fiction science theory if, if you don't like science get ready to get bored if you don't like science get out of america get ready to be bored out of your mind bro today we will be talking about the jupiter brain also known as the matryoshka brain matryoshka my uncle mozi was that racist a, a Russian accent? I don't know. That actually didn't sound Russian. He sounded a little bit more Jewish, Jewish yeah. A little Austrian. Yeah. Uh, Get ready for the Mushutka. How are we feeling about uh, life? I feel good. I'm going golfing next two weekends. And I'm going to the Grand Canyon soon. Oh, yeah. I'm going to start doing things. Oh, I'm going to be start doing things? I'm going to be start doing things. I'm not. Oh, that sucks. Yep. End of story. I haven't golfed in nine years. I'm kind of excited. I went to Top Golf maybe last year for that birthday party that I was also at. Maybe twice last year. Yeah, it's fun, dude. Sports are fun when you do them right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta play the lazy ones. We're getting old. Getting old in uh, in 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 body, not so much in mind. You know what I was thinking is I can't get hurt. I don't have health insurance right now. Oh, like you can't, like you're you're unable to. If I get hurt, I'm gonna have a hard time paying bills. Like you're capable of being hurt. Like I could punch you really hard, and you'd be like, "Fuck, that hurts." <laughs> I'm not invincible. Yeah. <laughs> if that's what you're asking me. No, no, just the way that you said it. Like I can't get hurt, <laughs> dude. You know what I discovered this weekend? I can't get hurt. I, I just jumped off the three story roof. It's it's fine. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. My legs are pointing in weird directions. <laughs> it's all good, man. I, I've got a strong upper body. <laughs> I didn't feel it. You know what they say? If you don't feel it, it didn't happen. Who says that? I don't know. I just started saying it. <laughs> I say that. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll just roll with it. Okay. So this, like I said, this is going to be a loaded one because there are a lot of different pieces to this puzzle. I picked a very, very loaded subject this week. I intentionally didn't do a ton of research. I watched a couple of videos. Yeah. But I would like to play the role of, of the audience, if you will and ask the obvious questions that I know that I, I will have and that many other people will likely have, so. The explain like I'm five version. Yes. The idea of what is called a Jupiter brain, also a Matryoshka brain. It's called the Matryoshka brain 
based on the Russian Matryoshka dolls. A doll inside a doll inside a doll inside a doll. You've seen them before, right, Sam? Yeah, There's of course. The, you know, you take one out. There's a smaller one, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, down to the very small one that's at its core, or the the chocolatey center, if you yeah. will, depending on on where you get it from. Um, it's always just worms in there when I get them. Worms? But I gotta stop taking presents from strangers. Yeah, there's more worms, my guy. <laughs> so let me just start, uh, since this is quite a loaded one, and again, if you're not really into sci-fi, this probably won't be the show for you today. Um, a Dyson Sphere, and this is from Wikipedia, by the way, if you want to follow along with me. A Dyson Sphere is a hypothetical megastructure that completely encompasses a star and captures a large percentage of its power output. The concept is a thought experiment that attempts to explain how a spacefaring civilization would meet its energy requirements once those requirements exceeded what can be generated from the home planet's resource alone. Only a tiny fraction of a star's energy emissions reach the surface of any orbiting planet. So building a structural structure encircling a star would enable a civilization to harvest far more energy. So, with that little tidbit of information there, Sam, let me jump into... The Kardashev scale, because we're going to be using these terms a lot throughout the course of this next hour or so, okay? Sure. Kardashev scale is a scale proposed by a man named Nikolai Kardashev in 1964. I've... Wait, what is he, Russian? Russian. I can't do a Russian accent. <laughs> I've... <laughs> Just go on. I've created a scale for determining the size of civilizations through space. Can I just do Borat? I guess. I've got an idea. <laughs> I've got an idea. It's a big star. It's a giant Bitcoin farm. Could be a Bitcoin farm. Bitcoin? <laughs> just <laughs> just space a, corn. A space currency. You just trade <laughs> corn for everything. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. So this guy, Nikolai Kardashev, right? <clears throat> Interesting. It's my son's name, too. Nikolai. Nikolai. It's neat. Uh, the Kardashev scale is a method of measuring a civilization's level of technological advancement based on the amount of energy they are able to use. This measure was proposed by Soviet astronomer Nikolai Kardashev in 1964. This scale has three designated categories. Sam, are you ready? I am ready. All right. A type one civilization, also known as a planetary civilization. Us. Not quite. Oh. Uh, can use and store all of the energy available on its planet. So Michio Kaku, uh, um, you you familiar with him? <clears throat> astrophysicist? Of course. Oh, <laughs> I just right up your alley, but I know. My fourth favorite astrophysicist. <laughs> so uh, he talks about this a lot, too, and he actually added uh, one or two new levels to uh, the Kardashev scale. Uh, but he proposed that humanity, Earth humanity as it is right now, we are n we're not, uh, we're about 0.71% of a type one civilization. So we're not even there yet because we, we don't harvest or utilize every single piece of energy that yeah. comes out of our planet. We mine, sure, but we're just, you know, on the grand scheme of things, we're just getting into solar, we're just getting into wind, we're just yeah. getting, you know, weather modifiers and things like that, yeah. right? So that's a type, a, a type one is able to harness all of the energy from its planet, meaning down to its core. Um, you've mined pretty much every single resource that the planet has available to it, but you're not doing any harm to the planet at the mm -hmm. same time that you're doing that, which is this weird sort of catch-22 at the same time. Do you right? think that the Fermi paradox, Femi or Fermi? Femi? Femi, yeah. Do you think that the Great Barrier is within that? Buddy, we're going to get there. Okay. We're okay. going to get there. Yeah. Let it ride, baby. Let it yeah. ride. It's like I said, loaded baked potato today. <laughs> All right. A type two civilization, which is also called a stellar civilization. Uh, they can use and control energy at the scale of its planetary system, which means that uh, the solar system. So your planetary system is your solar system. So you harness all of the available resources and power based on your home solar system. That that doesn't include the sun. Or sorry, that includes the sun. Yeah. Right? A type 3 civilization, also called a galactic civilization, can control the energy at the scale of its host galaxy. Which means that to be a type 3, you're basically gods at that mm. point, right? Because yeah. you can control all the matter, all the organics, every single atom that is within any known galaxy. So take the Milky Way, for example. If you could build something around that and store all that energy, you're a type three civil civilization. And that, my friend, is very hard to do. We'll find out. That That's very hard to do. I, uh, could, I could figure it out. Yeah. It's, um, you know, just 
YouTube it. <laughs> There's instructions for it somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah. Space tube it. Space tube it. Um, so those are the three scales. Now, the fourth scale that was proposed is a type four civilization are the masters of their universe. Okay, mm. which means that not only do you control organic matter, not only do you control, you know, everything therein that it, it encompasses, but you also control time and you can kind of also control your own reality at that point. Now, a type five civilization that has recently been proposed, you are God tier. You are the inventor. You are the architect of the matrix and you are. Well, you see, I play SimCity. Yeah. Therefore. I am God tier. <laughs> so it's basically like that. So now that we've gone over the Kardashev scale, <laughs> the next uh, the next little tidbit of uh, information that we need to t discuss first are nanorobotics. Okay, I like this. Metal Gear Solid, let's go. Those are nanomachines, but same basic concept. Uh, or uh, Robots that are the size of a nanometer, roughly. Um, the nanomachines, uh, they're able to go inside your body and, and uh, fight disease, you know, uh, repair organs, repair tissue. Um, kill viruses, kill potentially? Kill viruses, yeah. So it, medically, that's its first step is to get nanomachines um, to do microscopic surgeries and things like that and basically remove cancer. Now, the thing about these nanorobotics as well is that as they evolve, they will become self-replicating to the point of they can take organic matter, deconstruct its chemical makeup down to the atoms, and reassemble that as something else. <laughs> so they could reassemble themselves, and then there's two nanomachines, becomes four nanomachines, becomes eight nanomachines, becomes 16, and so on and so forth. And they can use resources around them. They, they're self-sufficient. They're completely self-sufficient because they're taking uh, organic matter or, or, or space matter, and they're breaking it down because think of like an anthill and these nanomachines are like little ants on an anthill or, right. or, or, or whenever you see like ants swarming like an apple or a dead animal or something like that, right? It's like that, but inside your body at such a microscopic scale. So imagine trillions of these in your body or doing a specific task, which we're going to get into as well. Right. That was a, that was an Austin Powers reference, by the way. Oh, what year is this? Gotcha, buddy. Gotcha <laughs> on the Austin Powers references. All right. So the idea of a Jupiter brain is it ties into simulation theory again. We might be beating a dead horse with this topic, so we're, we're going to shift gears next week for sure. But <laughs> you mean not everybody likes to listen to simulation theory week after week after week? I mean, not anyone I want to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, the yeah, these Jupiter brains were actually proposed to be giant computers. In order to power something as large as a planet-sized computer, you need a star. So what you do is you send, because we can't, we can't build a, a mega structure based on what we have available here on Earth. We have to go out into space. We have to mine the asteroid belt. We have to mine other planets, right? So the idea is to, once uh, humanity or whatever civilization is evolving, uh, they move beyond needing to be uh, on a planet. You know, they're, they're, they're uh, pioneers and they want to go out and, and, and explore, which is hopefully where we're, what we're destined to do, you know, with our civilization and all that. But with these nanomachines, the idea is to send these nanomachines to Mercury, mm -hmm. start mining Mercury. So Mercury no longer exists because we, we mined it to the core. All the precious metals we needed from that planet, we took them and we started building the structure around the sun. Okay. How big is that planet? Mercury? Yeah. Uh, roughly the size of the moon. Oh, it's so small? Yeah. It's not big at all. Oh, dude, we could crush that. Well, but just think about how many machines it's going to take in order to essentially crumble a planet, yeah. right? Yeah. Which also has to feed into these other machines that are already in orbit around the sun. So the first layer of the Dyson sphere is essentially like locking, locking all that energy into place, right? And as the Dyson sphere gets larger and starts expanding, and the planets that we use to harvest these materials start getting used up, we just have to move further and further into the solar system, meaning, you know, after we've mined Mercury for all it's worth, we move on to Jupiter, but also because the structure orbiting the sun is going to grow out as well. So yeah. it'll probably pass Mercury's orbit at that point, and so on and so forth. So eventually we'll do the same with Earth, Mars, 
and then the asteroid belt, which is probably where all, the most of the precious metals uh, in the solar system exists. So it's a really cool concept. Um, now going a one level deeper. Deeper. Once the first, once the first uh, sphere is built around the sun, that's basically just the processor right there. Yeah. Okay. So they're actually building this around a star. Yeah. So do you remember? Wow. Do you remember? I mean, do you remember? It was only a couple of years ago, but the Force Awakens, the the first of the new Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Okay. So that that rip off Death Star that they had basically, uh -huh. that's essentially a Dyson a Dyson sphere oh. because of how it output all the energy from the sun that it was surrounding. I didn't catch it because I was too busy uh, sleeping through that movie. <laughs> yeah. So on the surface level, it, it looks habitable like a planet because it's so large and the mass is so huge, right? Yeah. So it's basically that. It's basically like a Death Star. It's a Death Star. Yeah. But it could also be... A life star. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but there are layers to a Dyson sphere. So the first one would be, you know, the processor. And it can go out as far as, you know, as far as you have materials for. Yeah. But each layer, it's like an onion, like a space onion. Each layer has a different sort of, like, makeup inside it. So, you know, layer two to layer four might be, you know, habitable habitable parts of this but how close can you build to a star before it gets incinerated that's the thing is like you have to build these materials that can withstand these types of heat right okay mercury as a planet is only what 18 million miles away from the sun so it's like right there right yeah. it's already taken a beating yeah and venus is so hot because of its uh because of the the gases in the atmosphere so doesn't let air or heat yeah, out right yeah. right it traps all the heat so it's already like being cooked but again yeah. these these metals you know they theorize that you know this is something that can be accomplished now the layer furthest away from the core that's almost going to be as cold as space itself there's no mm. surface there it's kind of just like the buffer between you know that that layer second removed and then space itself yeah you following yeah okay now the other thing about a Dyson sphere is it's uh, it's thought that to exist inside a Dyson sphere, you are ex existing inside a computer because this is a computer, uh, a, you know, a planet-sized computer. Mm. In a weird roundabout kind of way, though we could currently be living with inside a Dyson sphere. That's the thing. We could. So think of like think of like the halo. Yeah. In the in the Halo game. Yeah. How on the outside, it's just metal, but on the inside of the ring, you see it's like, you know, habitable. Yeah. It's the same basic concept of, of that, more or less. Yeah. Um, or like Elysium, the movie Elysium, when they're in space and they have that thing that's spinning and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. It's basically that. It's really cool. It's really cool science fiction, but it's also really cool uh, just based on the proponents of what is theorized to be possible. Has this ever been uh, synthesized, like, digitally? Has anyone ever done the math on it? Yeah, I didn't get that much into it because I think that would actually bore people. Yeah. Right? Um, but, I just, on a scale, <clears throat> or not a scale, but on, like, a, a, if it's actually possible, like, have people created this, like, simulate, simulated it to see if it's possible? It is possible. Um, on October 14th, 2015... Uh, citizen scientists discovered unusual light fluctuations of the star KIC 8462852 captured by the, sp the Kepler Space Telescope. Uh, the star was nicknamed Tabby's Star uh, after Tabitha S. Buyanjian? Buyanjian. 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 She was the initial study's lead author. Um, so what happened was in 2015, they had been, uh, they had pointed the satellites at, um, you know, somewhere in space, they were watching the star closely and they noticed this flickering light pattern. And what was happening was, and you can't see it obviously because there's were audio and not visual, but there was a graph showing the light waves and how the light was emitting from this mm -hmm. star. It wasn't as big enough to be a planet. So they hypothesized that it was a fucking, it was a fucking Dyson sphere flicking. And that's why we were only observing small fluctuations of waves instead of larger ones, which is how we detect exoplanets and things like that. I mean, that's like a pretty big jump, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's probably another explanation. There's for more. It, yeah, there's more. There's more to this sandwich than what I'm explaining. You know, yeah. um, I'm just giving you like the cool little tidbits. Yeah. Um, so the existence of such a star system um, would alter the light emitted from 
collectors would absorb and uh, re-radiate energy from the star. Uh, the wavelength of radiation emitted by the collectors would be determined by the em emission spectra of the substances making them up and the temperature of the collector. So that right there is kind of like an information dump just based on, you know, they're, they're trapping every single watt of energy that this star is putting out. Yeah. Right? And utilizing it. So you, you, you're, you're self-sufficient and bitcoin farm dude you, yeah you can fucking start a bitcoin farm for all <laughs> that for all that space space shopping you gotta do yeah now it's really cool because they also uh based on this dyson sphere they have another uh, hypothesis called a solar sail and that's basically that it's the same concept of a dyson sphere but think about a think about like an orange being cut in half or actually think about it more like a jellyfish okay it kind of looks like a penis up top on its head and then it's got its legs hanging down this will make sense is i'm this, I promise is this what you think penises look like joe jellyfish <laughs> yeah. just me <laughs> yeah it's just you bro is that just mine yeah, yeah okay so think about like the head of the jellyfish uh, or like a half circle, I suppose, or like a bowl that you just flip on its side and then the stars inside it. Now, that, that half Dyson sphere is still powerful enough to keep that star suspended between it. So it's using the propulsion of the actual star to push and you move the solar system with you. Mm. Because of the orbits of the planets going around the star, all you're doing is moving the star so the planets are just going to come in tow with it. Right. Right? Which is a very cool thought. That's an extremely cool thought. But yeah. It reminds me of Command and Conquer when you'd pack up your home base. Yeah. You were getting attacked and you are about to die. And you could pack up your home base and it would float and you could just move away and start <laughs> right. a new base somewhere, to, somewhere right. else. Yeah. Uh, so it's really cool, man. Um, and then all the simulation stuff is, is, again, just based on, like, layers. And there's no way of knowing if, you know we're currently inside one just the same way that there's no knowing if we're currently inside a simulation or not if this is base reality then uh we should achieve type one civilization uh, we should become one in the next hundred years if not a little bit sooner just being a type one yeah but that's only if we can overcome you know war and and famine and pestilence and you know, things like that yeah uh which ties into the femi paradox yes which is deeper way deeper deeper what are your notes here? I have no notes. You have no notes. You're just listening to me today. I'm just listening. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the Femi paradox, though. I did. I did do a little research on that. Femi uh, paradox is cool. It's kind. It's kind of spooky, though. Basically, uh, and stop me if I'm wrong here, but the Femi paradox is basically that you can only get to a certain point before his or humanity destroys itself and starts over. Well, it's not just humanity. It's any sort of uh, any Everything. sort of civilization. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm pulling it up right now just to kind of give a better understanding because there's there's a couple different parts to the Femi paradox as well. Yeah, you can't get past. There's a great barrier. A barrier. Yeah. Yeah. That that we don't know when it occurs, we don't know how it occurs, but it seems to occur. The Femi, it's Fermi, I guess. We've been saying it wrong. Fermi. That's what I said first. Yeah. According to <laughs> according to Wikipedia, it's Fermi. I I guess I forget seeing that R. When an R is front of an M, I I usually don't see the R. Because the lowercase m, you know? Uh, Joe, familiar? F-A-M? <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the Fermi paradox, named after Italian-American physicist Enrico Fermi, is the apparent contradiction between the lack of evidence for extraterrestrial civilizations and various high estimates for their probability, such as some optimistic estimates for the Drake equation. Mm. The Drake equation is the probabilistic argument used to estimate the number of active, communicative, extraterrestrial civilizations in the Milky Way galaxy. Wow, which is one. So Us. far. So that we know of. Yeah. Um, the following are some of the facts that together serve to highlight the apparent contradiction. One, there are billions of stars in the Milky Way similar to the sun. Mm -hmm. Two, with high probability, some of these stars have Earth-like planets. Yes. Three, many of these stars and hence their planets are much older than the sun. If the earth is typical, some may have developed intelligent life long ago. Yes. Four, some of these civilizations may have developed interstellar travel, a step humans are investigating now. Is that five? No, five. Five, 
even at the slow pace of current and en- envisioned interstellar travel, <laughs> <laughs> the Milky Way galaxy could be completely traversed in a few million years. And since many of the stars similar to the sun are billions of years older, the Earth should have already been visited by extraterrestrial civilizations, or at least their probes. Based on the information that we have, that itself is up in the air. Whether yeah. or not it's being hidden from us, or we just don't have any concrete proof, right? Yeah. And I don't know if this is part of the Fermi paradox or not, but there is something basically that there's a... I don't know if it's a law or a principle or what what the mathematics specifically is of it, but I think it's the expansion of the universe gets faster the farther you go out. No, wrong. That's not right. No, the because after the Big Bang, everything flies out at the speed of light. So the further you away are from the singularity, the slower time goes. I mean, think of like the movie Interstellar. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right, right. Okay, but what I'm getting at is somebody was saying the universe is expanding at such a fast rate Mm -hmm. it's hard to travel anywhere because you're fighting against that expansion while you're traveling right so think about the voyager spacecraft right we launched that in the 70s even if we had and 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 that's going at like thirty four thousand miles per second or something like that like it's the fastest man-made vehicle ever made and it's still just it's just now hitting the oort cloud uh so it's it left the solar system. It's on its way out past the Oort cloud, which is beyond Pluto by a couple million miles or a hundred million miles, right? It's it's dude. it's far, right? The Voyager spacecraft is already moving. So not only would you have to build a craft that could catch up with it, but you're also moving forward in time because you're expanding. You have to build a craft faster than what the Voyager is already going at, but the Voyager only gets faster and faster the further out it goes. Right. So that right there is the problem. Are we still con- in contact with the Voyager? Yes. And how long is that expected to last? It was supposed to die out, what, 12 years ago? Something like that? Yeah. They turned its battery off, and then uh, they did a test where they flipped it on. You know, I, I'm using air quotes because it's like, oh, that's convenient. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, they flipped it on, and they got, like, all this data back, all this information about interstellar space where it currently is and everything else because it's still unexplored. So... That's kind of a cool little, like, oh, did they know what they were doing when they launched it? Like, did we already have this tech? Because this is post, because we launched that satellite post first encounter, again, air quotes from Roswell and all that shit that was happening in the late 50s, early 60s. Yeah. All the cover ups and all all that. So it's like, was was that our destiny? Do we have to, are they actually probes that we're sending out and not satellites? Right? Right. Tomato, potato. What if we built, a hundred thousand probes and sent them in every direction as fast as we possibly could. They probably wouldn't leave the atmosphere or they probably wouldn't leave earth's orbit. They would all smash into what's already there right now. (laughs) Just hit a bunch of junk. That's the, um, that's the issue with like Elon's, um, space link or whatever it's called. Starlink. Starlink. Yeah. yeah. yeah, Where they're putting that net of uh, satellites around the earth. Uh, I don't know if it was NASA or the CIA or somebody, in one of those agencies, but they said that like there's so much space trash right now yeah. that uh, adding a network, essentially a Dyson sphere around the planet, I mean, on a smaller scale uh, and, and obviously not used to like harness the, the planet's energy, but that there'll be so much like more space to breathe with the shit just like smacking into each How other. How are we so irresponsible? How, I mean, I guess it's not really a, that big of a question. You but. think about you think about like uh, you think about things that haven't been tainted by humankind, right? Yeah. You look at our oceans, which are fucking ginormous, right? Yeah. You can't even comprehend the scale of the ocean, and we're we're trashing that because yeah. we think there's so much of it. It's not going to. There's a Texas-sized island. There's of a Texas-sized island of garbage just floating in the Pacific Ocean right now. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, same thing with space. Like, oh, it'll just burn up in the atmosphere or get carried away. It's like, no, planets have gravity, and that's how we have a moon. That's how we're in our in our current solar orbit. Like, yeah. it's it's gravity. Everything has an energy, and it's pulling other things in towards it. Can so, we not start pulling some of that stuff down? And is it not worth it? It's not worth it. I mean, you could crash. I mean, you can crash them into the ocean, but I mean, that's just like more pollution right there. You know? Yeah, no. Ah, not just that, but like you know, the toxic remnants of whatever was on the spaceship. The radiation, the radiation, from being close to the yeah. sun. Well, not even being close to the sun, just being in space by itself. Fuck, yeah. you know. Obviously, the sun hitting it with with what it does, but 
just the vacuum of space is poisonous. I think a lot of people don't know that when you fly in an airplane, you're exposed to like double the amount of radiation from the sun. Yeah, that's it's why it's really bad for you. That's why the plane is aluminum and not steel. Yeah. Right, because it because it can't penetrate that. Yeah, or 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 something. Uh, I'm sure there's some science. There's some science to that. Yeah, someone check me on that, but pretty sure that's where it is. Just know that when you fly, you're getting roasted from the inside out like a hot dog. But you're also basically in space. Also, that's not how hot dogs are cooked. <laughs> you radiate them from the inside, baby. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. So the Fermi paradox. Um, there's the Great Barrier, and it's that either we haven't come to it yet, and it's going to be our, our next hurdle as a species or we've already passed it yeah and I like this is it passed it i think well you, you can't say that because as soon as you get confident like oh the 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 fusion the the uh hydrogen bomb was mm-hmm. the the great barrier it's like well then you look at the size of that bomb the russians set off sarbama it, it was like a sixty-two thousand yield the biggest yeah the biggest one sarbama yeah y- yeah yeah that's it it was so big and that everybody was like, no more. We can never no do this more. again. Yeah. yeah, that's it's Pandora's box right there. So when Oppenheimer was building the bomb, you know, mm-hmm. and we, when we had Project Paperclip, when we took all the German scientists and, yeah. and we were building the bomb and everything else, everybody was so stoked on this scientific breakthrough and discovery. Yeah. Uh, but then once they detonated the bomb the first time, Oppenheimer, like he ate his words. He's like. I've never seen something so powerful. I regret ever being, you know, paraphrasing, yeah. of course, but I regret ever being a part of this. There's pretty, pretty sure he said that, like, you know, there's nothing good could ever come from, no. from this from this information. Well, I, you got to think, too, about why they were building the bomb. They were building the bomb to fucking kill other human beings. Yeah. Right? It was, it was during the time of war where... There was no, there was no time or there was no place for diplomacy at that point. It's like, no, I'm just going to build the biggest bomb on the planet and and destroy you. And you got to think everything was so out of control. Russia and Germany were invading Poland and taking it. And Hitler got all paranoid and decided to invade Russia. Mm -hmm. Right. So Russia just destroys Germany. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Japan just sitting there who attacked Pearl Harbor and mm-hmm. refuses to quit. Right. Refuses to give up on the war. And so you're like, okay, how do we end this? Right. Well, we have this technology. Right. Let's just do this. Well, it's the reason today too that Japan doesn't have any nuclear a nuclear program. Yeah. Uh, a nuclear weapons program. They um I forget the term for it, but it's like a nuclear um like nuclear adjacent or something. It's that they don't even have their own national army. Yeah. Because they just don't believe, you know, Obviously, they were the only people that an atomic bomb was ever used on, right? So yeah. them as a them as a, a culture, you know, the Japanese culture, they're like, no, we don't want this. We we have the reminder, um, and you know, honor in, in in Eastern cultures too is a big thing. Yeah. So, yeah, they don't want anything to do with it. It's just crazy, but you can go back to that one point, you know, the splitting of the atom, and we wouldn't even be having these conversations that we do on this show. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just crazy that, you know, in one single moment, not only is the collective knowledge of humanity change, it's that the future is also, you know, got a question mark on it as far as, as far as the great barrier is concerned. Um, so getting a little bit more into that, they're saying that if life exists, it's far too old and may have already gone extinct, which is why we haven't encountered anything yet. Um, uh, what the other one was, um, we are actually, you know, life is unique and we are actually the only planet with life on it. Right. Mm, yeah. Um, it's, th- it's highly improbable, but yeah, I, I, you know, we can talk at length about our, our belief in, in, in life, even, yeah. even with what they just found on Venus, it's still technically life. So, um, mm. being a dead horse here, but if, if it, if it exists there, it can exist anywhere. And, and like you said on the last show, it raises the probability up into the nineties. High you 99s. Know. Um, but that's the scary thing is it's like, where are we? You know, have we hit that barrier yet? Are we approaching that barrier or, or what? But there, there is a huge hurdle that will keep us from going out into space. And if we don't get over it, that's, it's really going to damn us all. Yeah. And uh, that always makes me think about civilizations that have come and gone. Mm-hmm. 
you know, as early as like whatever, 800 BC. So like the ancient Egyptians. Yeah. So it's like Machu Picchu. How do we know we were the first intelligent one? Or how do we know that we only had this technology? Because think about when we die, there's not going to be much that you're going to find from us. All of this, this is all plastic. This is going to fucking melt away or, or, you know what I mean? There's not going to be anything but like monuments. Basically the same things we're seeing in like ancient Greece and the pyramids. even. Right. Because you really think that modern civilization has only been around for 4,000 years? Or did something happen 4,000 years ago that reset? It was a reset button. I think I've talked about this before, the bottleneck, where humanity is, there's been four different times humanity has gone down this bottleneck mm-hmm. to where they were reduced to less than 10,000, uh, wow. you know, proto-humans, right? Yeah. Um, and then, then something just happened and brought them out of it. And then here we are, right? Everyone always talks about like what's the missing link? What's the missing link? It's not ape, you know. It, it's it's yeah. not it's not the the man to ape connection. There was something that happened in between there, and we can go into like seed theory. We can go into crossbreeding. We can go into <laughs> a lot of things. But I definitely it it seems more likely to me that it it uh, it had a guide like life had a guiding hand as far as like creating intelligent life. Hmm. But that also goes back to the Dyson sphere or the Jupiter brain. You know, which level down are we? Right? Yeah. Uh, are we inside the game that's playing the game that's playing the game, or are we in base reality? We'll never know. Um, the other cool thing about uh, uh, Jupiter brains is that their existence is also kind of a, a paradox because they don't emit any light. Um, if it's, it's full, if it's fully encom- if it's a fully encompassed Jupiter brain, it doesn't emit any light because it's trapping all the light and the energy from the star inside its core. So detecting them is, is gonna be, you know, somewhat impossible. I mean, that was kind of the joke with our with our intro there is that you can't see them. Yeah. So you'd have to catch it on radar. What kind of civilization would decide that instead of venturing further out into space and like, you know, seeding these other planets and becoming a spacefaring civilization, that you want to shut out the entire world like you've either seen something so crazy or you've seen it all and there's nothing else it's planet of the hermits so is that a type 5 civilization that's like yeah we've seen everything we're just going to shut off and create our own reality we're Gucci dude and inside this inside the sphere is just this collective consciousness maybe or uh, this computer you know it's a planet sized computer that's creating the reality around us you know mixing the ether and things like that I mean it it gets philosophical as, as much as it is existential you know yeah it's just one of those great like what ifs, man. Like space is just so crazy. There will there will be a great darkness at some point. I think the Earth Sun is gonna go out and it's like a couple hundred billion years or something like that. It's like six billion. Is it six billion? Yeah, yeah. But the Sun's was... only six billion years old as it is. Yeah. But I mean that that's really oh that, soon. that can't be right. That can't be right. I think it's like six hundred. It's I don't know. Yeah, let's find some numbers on that. When will the sun burn out? There will be a great darkness. Uh, what would happen when the sun dies? About five billion years. Yeah, the sun will run out of hydrogen. Yeah, okay. So in five billion years, the Earth's sun will die off. Well, it will expand. And if we don't build a Dyson sphere before then, it will expand and eat up all of the... Uh, it will destroy us. Yeah, Earth's in that path. It will reach all the way to the asteroid belt. It will go out almost to Jupiter. Woo. And it's huge. We got to be gone by then. We got to be way gone by then. And I hope, dude, it's 5 billion years from now. You think Can, about like, we, we could even fly up until 100 years ago. You know what I mean? Could we, could we build? No, we couldn't. What's that? I was going to say, could we build something the size of the moon and push it and inhabit it and push it like off into space? Yeah. I mean, that's the idea of like a solar sail. And some are even, some crazy conspiracy also says that the moon is already a base. Because that when they launched a probe into it, it rang out like a bell. Mm. And that only happens when you're hollow. Ding. Ding. It was probably more like this. <laughs> yeah, but uh, these, these uh, I forget, they might have been Russian astronauts, but they were in space and they were watching or, or whatever. Yeah. But they said that the, that the moon rang out like a bell when this probe was smashed into it. It's very strange. Right? Strange crazy strange things are happening out there whatever possible combination you can think of 
it, it exists. It's infinite. It's infinite, yeah. Everybody's done everything, said everything, and every possible combination you can think of somewhere in the existence of life. So these, so this type five civilization inside this Dyson sphere, they're just, they're just too good. They're like, nah, we've seen it all. They're just jaded old people like, well, back or, in my day, I used to jump planets. <laughs> <laughs> I remember planetary travel, yeah. waste of time. But is that the next step though? It's like, let me ask you this. What if building the Dyson star isn't locking yourself in, but it's locking everybody else out? What if you know so much that you're like, we don't mess with anybody else. We're going to go super stealth and just yeah that was i mean that's that's the proposed question is what civilization does that and what reason do they do that for do they do it just because they have the technology no you're not going to waste resources and energy building something that doesn't benefit your civilization right right but if you get to that point where like should we build a dyson sphere or not you're already like you're already up there you know what i'm saying you've you've already controlled you know, your entire planet, your weather systems, like everything. Like if you it's can, even an option. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think they're not shutting anything out, but maybe because they're so advanced, they have seen everything. And what they've seen isn't as good as what you can create in an artificial environment, right? Maybe... What do you call it when an entire species of something is com- like a collective hive mind, like a hive mind? Mm-hmm. What if it's like a subspecies of human being that evolved with like fungus and they're like they're all interconnected. And so they all just they build this Dyson sphere because it's for the best of everyone, which is one. Well, I mean, but you got to think about the steps leading up to the Dyson sphere. This these people have already been into space or this, you know, this this species has already been into space. Right, you don't just go from like your terrestrial planet to a Dyson sphere. You know what I mean? You gotta like, you gotta travel. You gotta see some shit. I mean, you gotta know how the science works behind all of it. You gotta build nano machines, right? Yeah. Because I don't think any of this. Of course, this is me using my human-sized brain. I don't think any of this uh, is possible without the use of robotics. Yeah. Right. AI. AI for sure. I mean, something on a, on a scale that large. Something that can operate without having to be told what to do. Operate and optimize at the same time. Yeah. Right? To know to know what the next move is. But again, that and AI... Get, yeah, get better at doing that it. That AI is only going to be... Its base programming is only going to be known whatever that species put into it. Right? Yeah. So it's going to have to... You know, it's it's a rabbit hole, man. I wish I could see the future. I do too. Like it's a crazy time that we live in now because so much cool shit is happening. Like we're on the cusp of like exploring all this neat stuff and and like I get a little choked up sometimes because my dad was a huge sci-fi fan. I Mm -hmm. shouldn't say was. He is. Mm -hmm. He's still alive. (laughs) You know, but I know we're going to see things that he only dreamed of seeing. Oh, we'll see Mars. Our our parents, our parents, well, maybe. I mean, dude, it... Mars might be less than 10 years away. Yeah. But. I mean, we already have photos from the surface. Well, we have, yeah, we sent, we've had tons of probes there. We have yeah. the, the rovers and everything else. I think even further. I think we might see even further. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe Europa, yeah. one of the moons of Jupiter. That'll be the next step beyond uh, Mars. It's, it's, it's going to go, we need to establish a base on the moon. And then from there will be a jumping off point to get us to Mars and then from Mars into the rest of yeah. the solar system. But there are so many moons orbiting Jupiter. There's like 36 or 37 moons or, you know, high, high yeah. number of moons that they're saying that some are frozen on the surface, but have liquid water underneath. So you can, you can drill under the crust and, and yes. build a, a, a aquatic city. Um, there are geothermal activities on other moons, like volcanoes and stuff, and that shows that it's it's it has an atmosphere and a core that a is at heated, least spinning, planet, yeah. right? Um, plates and, and tectonics and everything else. So, dude, there there are, are so. Did you know how old were you when you found out that there's more than just the eight or nine planets? Um, probably came about like in mid school. So. So you knew about Ceres and Crete and like all those like protoplanets inside the asteroid belt? I don't think I learned specifically about it, but definitely in school I think I 
You know, maybe it's hard I don't to remember, say. I don't remember talking about him because, like, we went to I school. I only cared about it until I was in my twenties. We went to school at a time when Pluto was a planet. Yeah, and in, and since then, it's been disputed back and forth. This is a planet? Is it not a planet? Blah blah blah. But they keep finding all these other things. Like, have you heard of a? Have you heard of rogue planets? Yes. Okay, so those are planets that have, that have escaped their star's orbit and are just freely floating through space. Yeah. That's fucking crazy to me. Amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy, but there's just this giant ball of... Well, if it was gas, it, it probably isn't gas anymore. It's probably like a, you know, it froze over or whatever, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, the first time I learned about, like, the universe is basically infinite, mm-hmm. it was pretty mind-blowing for me, and it definitely was not in high school. Yeah, you can't you can't wrap your head around infinity, and you can't wrap your head about around how large these things are. You can't wrap your head around a million. Well, because here's the thing: in space, time doesn't exist the same way. Yeah. Right. So. So yeah, I mean, you have a hard time wrapping your head around two thousand. Yeah. If somebody goes, "How many grains of rice are in this jar?" Mm-hmm. You might say eight hundred. It's like, no, it's two thousand. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. I mean, you look at a number chart of like one to a hundred. When you're thinking in your head one to a hundred, it's like, oh, that's a that's hundred. But you, when yeah. you're looking at it and it's just like a 10 by 10 square, it's not anything. Yeah. Right. When it's when it's mapped out. But we're not talking about hundreds. We're talking about quadrillions, if not larger, you know, yeah. like. Uh, so the Andromeda galaxy is the closest galaxy next to us. And, and, and that is destined to crash into us in the next billion years or so. Right. It's but they expand into us. No, it's not going to expand into it. It's moving. Yeah, it's moving towards us. I was just watching something about this, but yeah. So you look at both the Milky Way and the Andromeda Galaxy, you know, the depictions of them or whatever, and you've got... It's not going to be a big event, though, they were saying. It's going to be very... It's not. It's going to be very mild. And they said that uh, a low number, if not zero... There'll be a low number, if not zero, uh, planetary collisions and star collisions because space is so fucking huge. But when you're looking at it on like a 2D plane, like in a picture, you're like, wow, dude. It's going to be a mess. If that hit us, it's (laughs) going to be, yeah. Orbits are going to get disrupted and things like that. I mean, like, I'm sure there will eventually be, but like, it's not like it's just going to come out of nowhere like a car and just smack into us. It's going to gradually get closer to us. and, And as it approaches, it's going to change the orbit so that once it's finally like interconnected with us, everything's already going to be moved out of the way. But not just that, but it's so vast in between everything. It's like there's there's so much, you know. Can you imagine a world where the two galaxies in, intertwine and we can see another Earth from here like the moon? Would that be just the coolest? That'd be so trippy. I would love, And you could just go there for vacation. Yeah. Like, um, they do that in movies a lot or yeah. like artist interpretations of like, you know, a planet. Uh, I see them a lot. It's like, what if, what if Jupiter was at the distance the moon is from us? Yeah. And you know, what's also funny is you can fit every planet in our solar system within the point from earth to the moon. And that's still fucking far. That's so crazy. Yeah. That's 250,000 miles. What's crazy is I was... <sighs> Just the the size and scale of things is so mind blowing. Thinking that our solar system has a star, mm-hmm. okay, and this star has only what nine planets? What is it? Nine if you include Pluto, yeah. Eight planets. Twenty if you include everything in between, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then you look out and you see all these stars. Well, it turns out those aren't stars; those are mostly galaxies you're looking at. And they're most likely dead. Yeah, and they've been they're most likely burned out. Yeah, but was it like ninety percent of the stars you see in the sky are already burned out? Yeah, yeah. And all of those galaxies have billions of stars in them, Mm -hmm. and all of those stars have billions of planets around them. Mm -hmm. Some some billions of planets. Some star systems are binary star systems where there are two stars located. Yeah, I got that tattoo, Mm -hmm. baby. (laughs) Yeah. um, So imagine that. I mean, like the stereotype is like the opening scene of star Wars or the ending scene of star Wars or look or opening scene where Luke is looking out and you see the two suns going down. Yeah. It's like, that'd be fucking crazy to see, you know, it's like, what if it was just daylight 24 seven, just perfect rotation of two suns. If you're on the equator, you just always see perpetual sunlight. Oh my God. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck all that. You'd have to have a dark room to sleep. You would have to like come up with a new measurement of time because it's like, hey, I'll see you at first sunset. Oh no, dude, I'm not gonna meet up with you till second sunset. You know, like 
<laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of crazy. Are we talking AM1 or AM2? Right, yeah. AM, PM, 3M? <laughs> 3M. <laughs> Space is dope. Space is dope, man. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... I wish I could go into more detail. I mean, my notes that I took here just kind of grazed over it. Feel free to all our listeners to to do some of your own research here because it, it's a fun rabbit hole to go down, uh, you know, those nights when you're just taking your medicine and your kids are asleep. and Yeah. I wonder if I'll ever see space. When was the last time you flew? Uh, four years ago. Mm. I wonder if I'll ever see space though like, like outer space i wonder if they'll ever have like tourist trips to the moon oh dude no doubt where it doesn't cost like 10 grand though where it's like for a thousand bucks you can go take a trip out to the moon and back i imagine that i imagine that once that starts happening either it's going to be for the super elite or it's going to be dirt cheap or it'll start out expensive like like yeah. how airplanes were but now you can get a flight for like less than 100 bucks you but know then I mean? when you can go to jupiter when you can go to Venus. Yeah, those are going to be like destination zones. Yeah. You know, when they actually have like orbiting orbiting ships oh, that you can dock no. with and everything else, you know? It's going to be space cruises. How annoying. How annoying will a space cruise be? Oh, they're like, get comfy with your neighbors. We're going to be here for two months. By the way, if an asteroid hits any part of this ship, we're fucked. Everybody dies. <laughs> I'm excited, man. I, I really like I really like the idea of evolving to the point where technology kind of just becomes obsolete, right? Because if you're inside this Dyson sphere, you have everything that you'll ever need. You don't need anything else. You've got unlimited energy, you create your own food. Uh, video games. <laughs> video games, of course. <laughs> hot, flaming hot Cheetos. Flaming hot Cheetos, some Space Mountain Dew. Ma- some Space Dew. <laughs> do the Space Dew, baby. Double the caffeine so you can really tweak. <sighs> Live longer than the sun. <laughs> I can't. Mm-mm. That's going to do it for this week's episode of The Balm Tree. Is that it? Platio. Yeah, we're at 55. Oh, okay. That was quick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we didn't go into depth too much this week, but we hope we filled your brains with a little uh, spooky sci-fi here. We're going to shift gears hard next week. So, Yep. Hope you, gonna- en- hope you enjoy these last couple ones because... We ain't doing any sci-fi for a little bit. I'm not going to touch on simulation again until we got we got something new to announce. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, this morning, a bus-sized asteroid missed Earth. Wow. It was so close. It was probably 600,000 light years away. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it was, uh, it, was, it was really close. It was only the size of a bus over the South Pacific. So even if it crashed, it wouldn't have been like crazy or anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... so Ah, fuck it. I don't care. (laughs) This is going to be one great editing job for me, bud. Yeah. We're going to go from 55 minutes to 40 minutes. Yo. (laughs) All right, everybody. That's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, We'll be back next week. And expect to hear some music from Sam and I soon. I got release dates coming. I don't. I'm tracking right now. but I've got the 8th of next month. I've got the 21st. First of next yeah. month. <laughs> I've got this, I think the second of December? November. November. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's almost my birthday. Chill. What do you want? Fuck. A life? I don't know. Cool. I'm going to get that going <laughs> pronto. Uh, I just want to be happy. You got some serotonin I can drink? <sighs> I got some Mountain Dew. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> He's at Noir Boulevard. I'm at Samuel Music. This is the Palm Tree Patio, and we will see you next in the week. Next life. See you in space. I don't know what that means. Bye. Bye.